Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Portside Perspective podcast by Port Strategy and Greenport, where you'll hear the latest in the port and shipping industry. This time we talk to Andy Ray, ABP's Head of Offshore Wind, who talks to us about where the operator is at with its strategy for offshore wind, its latest projects and some take-homes for the industry. Thank you so much for, for joining us at Port Strategy today. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat to us. We're going to be learning a little bit more today about ABP's strategy in terms of offshore wind and finding out a bit about what you're going to be doing into the future as well. So thank you, Andy. Welcome. That's, that's not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. So I think, first of all, Andy, if you can explain to me, just in a nutshell, what ABP's strategy is in terms of offshore wind and where we're at presently. Okay. Uh, well, well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on your podcast today. As you just said, my name is Andy Ray. Uh, I'm ABP's Head of Offshore Wind. So, so what that means in the context of ABP is that I cover the interaction between our port infrastructure and very specifically the offshore wind industry. There, there are various touch points to that um, and my role essentially is to is to devise the offshore wind strategy from an ABP perspective uh, and then deploy that um, by initiating projects, um, commercially uh, negotiating and discussing with various developers and uh, offshore wind supply chain organizations. Yeah. So bringing, bringing the whole thing together, if you like, Andy, I think. Yeah, so, so pr- pretty much everything offshore wind related comes across my desk uh, at, at some point with an ABP. Um, you know, right from discussions around kitty wake mitigation all the way through to significant investments that we're we're hoping to make in the future. Absolutely. So I guess, Andy, what, what we want to learn is um, the emphasis and the importance that ABP places um, on the offshore wind sector and how you personally, you know, at, at ABP there, use it to, to elevate the port's position, you know, both in terms of sustainability but also the huge business opportunity that the sector offers as well. I, I think I think that is absolutely the key, what you've just mentioned there around the business opportunity. Um, just, just to kind of look backwards for a second, um, ABP has been involved in offshore wind for the past several decades, um, you know, right back to the original round one projects installed in the UK. Yes. ABP ports have been used to, to help deliver those and to provide O&M bases. Yeah. Um, so, so we understand um, to a certain degree how existing port infrastructure can be used um, to great effect and, and make us money uh, in, in, in the meantime. Um, and about four years ago, five years ago now, uh, ABP underdid a, a strategic review. Um, and, and based on that historical um, you know, knowledge and income relating to offshore wind, they identified offshore wind as, as a potential future opportunity um, because the, we, we saw that turbines were getting larger, the projects themselves were getting larger, um, the UK had committed to net zero um, and, and one of the one of the pathways to net zero, in fact, you know, whichever route we take to net zero, it almost all involves significant amounts of offshore wind feeding into the grid. Um, and as we know, all of that offshore wind has to be installed via port infrastructure so, so we, we identified strategically that offshore wind was a, was a, had significant potential in terms of um, helping our business grow and 
continue to utilize uh, our existing port infrastructure. Absolutely, makes sense, doesn't it? Um, so I guess then, Andy, you know, we're looking at, you know, ABP being a really good example of, you know, how the operator, you know, how you're working to bolster the whole of the offshore wind sector, if you like, in the UK and the supply chain in the process. Yeah, so um, there, are, there are several elements to offshore wind um, and interactions with ports. Um, and you've just hit, hit on one of them there, which is around supply chain. So yeah. the supply chain for offshore wind, uh, these components are so large uh, and then they're, they're all marine transported. So any new factory capacity or, or um, supply chain engagement almost inevitably has to happen in and around a port with heavy lift um, key infrastructure. Um, so, so that's the opportunity from a supply chain perspective is to host these large factories producing these, these large components. But there are, there are two other elements to offshore wind. Um, the, the second element is offshore wind needs a port within which to marshal and bring together all of the different elements of the, the construction phase together. Um, we do that in, up in Greenport Hull uh, at the, the Siemens facility there, whereby um, tower sections and the cells are imported from other factories around Europe and brought together in, in the port and then loaded onto the vessel for installation. And then the final element is around operations and maintenance. So, so once the, the offshore wind farm is constructed, it then needs to be looked after over the rest of its uh, operational life. Um, and and the, the technicians who go offshore, they all have to have a, a home base to work from. Um, and we've got a fantastic example of that out of Grimsby, where we're supporting over seven gigawatts of installed capacity. Absolutely. Obviously, with you know, no stranger to Port Strachey in terms of uh, Greenport whole previously but I, I just wanted to take a closer look at, at some of your operations and in perhaps you know I'm, I'm I'm not sure you want to chat about Greenport whole Grimsby being two of them but can you tell us just on what we've been speaking about for the last five minutes or so can you give us two case studies at your operations and how they've been contributing to the offshore wind sector and or the supply chain in the UK? Well, Greenport Hole is a fantastic example of that. Back in 2016, that facility became operational um, and it's, it, it has two roles to play in terms of offshore wind. Firstly, it's a, it's a manufacturing site. So Siemens Gamesa produce uh, the, the large blades uh, at that facility, but also it, it acts as a pre-assembly facility during the construction phase so that as I mentioned, turbine components can, can be, be brought together uh, to be loaded out onto the, the final insulation vessel. That was originally circa £310 million investment by ourselves and Siemens Gamesa. Um, and Siemens have actually subsequently invested a further £189 million to expand the factory so that it's fit for, uh, fit for future um, blade sizes um, because the turbines are getting larger means the blades need to get larger. Um, and, and, and that means that um, Greenport Hull, as a, uh, as a facility, needs to, um, needs to be adapted, essentially, to, to, yeah. provide, to continue to provide that functionality. Um, so we're currently exploring ways in, in that ABP can further invest in the facility to, to give it more, uh, to, to allow it to remain relevant in terms of construction, as well as being a, a home for manufacturing. Kind of Another too. example of, of what we're doing is in and around Lowestoft. Uh, so Lowestoft has long been a, an operations and maintenance base. 
Um, and we've just recently signed off uh, some additional investment there to essentially create additional berthing capacity to allow the port to receive what's known as an SOV, the service uh, operation vessel. Um, these are larger vessels than historically have been used for O&M um, and we needed to improve our, our quayside and, and um, uh, do some capital dredge to, to allow these larger vessels to come in and use lower stock. So we, we, as a port industry, we can't rely on existing port infrastructure as we perhaps have previously um, because the vessels are getting larger and the components are getting larger. We, we, we are now getting into a period where we have to start investing in, in increasing capacity and capability. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's true across the world, isn't it? You know, whether we're talking about, you know, birthing vessels or working on these larger components or infrastructure, I think it's a really hot topic for the next medium to long term, if you like. Um, and, and, and talking about that, you know, stakeholders at the port, um, other people that you're working with in the, in the UK or even, you know, international collaboration on the offshore wind industry. I mean, obviously, the UK is not the only country working. We're all working towards net zero. Could, could you talk a little bit about international collaboration or in collaboration with any of your, your stakeholders? Um, governments um, and and why you know collaboration is so important to the future of the supply chain and of the offshore wind sector in general. I, I think we we've got a, a very timely example of, of this this exact this exact issue. So ABP we're, we're currently working on uh, an opportunity in, down in Port Talbot to to reimagine the existing port infrastructure as a construction hub for floating offshore wind. Yes. Now, floating offshore wind is a is a kind of an, it's an emerging um, technology and it's an emerging opportunity. But we really do think Port Talbot has has the right physical attributes to be to play an important role in the Celtic Sea. Um, but but as part of what we've learned in and around Port Talbot, um, we we've been collaborating with uh, what would have traditionally been our competitor ports in the region. Yes. So so Milford Haven, for example. Um, we're, we are collectively part of the, the Celtic Freeport, so, so we've got a direct relationship with Milford Haven. But we've also been collaborating around what the future vision for floating offshore wind looks like um, across all of the port infrastructure in South Wales, because what we don't want to do is overinvest in port infrastructure. Therefore, it's very important to understand what role your particular port has to play in the, the overall value chain for these large, large projects. So we've been working with Milford Haven to, to kind of to map out and draw a picture of what the future could hold for both ports. Um, and on, on the back of that, um, we've had great engagement with Welsh government, with national government, uh, with, with the Department for Business and Trade, um, which has then subsequently led on to being asked by uh, international um, port companies and, and governments to, to provide some of our lessons learned. So we've recently signed a, an MOU with, with um, the, the Taiwanese state port operator to, to collaborate on what we've learned around floating offshore wind. Um, I've, I've recently been in, in conversation with uh, a group of Swedish ports, Japanese ports, South Korean port, uh, port organizations, because Everyone's really interested in, in what we're doing in terms of um, Port Talbot because it's probably going to be um, one of the it's going to be a world a world class 
asset um, and, and probably the first in the world to be to be dreamt of on, on this scale. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, if there's, there's other countries and beginning to kind of look at infrastructure and these types of projects, Andy, as well, really important to talk to you in terms of lessons learned and, and knowledge, isn't it? So absolutely makes sense. Almost like your, your, your project's a catalyst for everything else that's kind of starting to pop up around the world. So I think that's fantastic. Busy time. I, I, <laughs> it, it is very busy times. Um, you know, my, my view is that ports um, are going to be the focal points for almost every element of the net zero transition. Yes. Um, ports are going to be involved in there somewhere, whether it's CCUS, um, green hydrogen production, you know, synthesizing uh, low carbon marine fuels so we can decarbonize the global sort of uh, shipping uh, industry. The, all of these activities are going to happen in and around ports. So, so yeah. ports have to kind of understand what the current role is and what their potential future role looks like because it's going to be very, di very different from the kind of conventional sort of hydrocarbon based um, industries uh, and kind of material handling it's going to be a very different world in the future absolutely and we're seeing that already aren't we um so can you talk to us andy a little bit more about obviously we've heard about some of the amazing plans that abp has for the, the medium long term and into the the future is there anything else that you can talk to us about any other plans in terms of offshore wind supply or business um or indeed do you want to talk to us perhaps a little bit more about where we're at at um, Talbot at the moment. Yes, well, back in February 23, uh, ABP launched its um, sustainability strategy, uh, Ready for Tomorrow. Um, and, and that essentially was um, a strategy whereby we've got a, a pool of capital, um, circa £2 billion, um, to help not only ABP decarbonize its own operations, but also to help our customers to yes. decarbonize their operations. Um, and, and also to invest in the port infrastructure needed for, uh, for the net zero transition, um, which, which, which leads us back to Port Talbot. Um, now, Port Talbot, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, is, is we believe going to be a strategic asset in the Celtic Sea to help deliver circa 16 gigawatts on in the in uk waters but potentially deliver uh, floating offshore wind in the irish market and potentially in, into the french market um but that port infrastructure it's very heavy duty there are large land requirements associated with it which inevitably means it's going to be relatively capital uh, intensive to make that investment um and it's really positive to see our shareholders give us the backing through this two billion pound fund so that we, we know we've got access to the capital when the moment is right to make the investment decision. Yeah. Um, and, and we're going through a similar process right across our other ports um, in, in, um, in Grimsby, in, in Lowestoft, we're, we're making financial investments now, which will improve the capability and capacity of those ports um, with, a, with a firm eye on the net zero journey. Absolutely and safeguard the operations and business opportunities into the future. Absolutely. No, that absolutely makes sense. So it's been really fascinating to learn about these 
projects, Andy. Very exciting times, I think, at ABP. Can you, you know, I guess, you know, what, what would be really nice to do is, you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of people listening that are going to be maybe just in the early stages of embarking um, on, on a project themselves, or maybe they're considering going into, you know, the, the offshore wind sector. Be that, you know, maybe housing some of the manufacturers that, that might be, you know, producing some of the components, or, you know, even looking at perhaps having some input into producing their own offshore wind supply could you talk to us what would be your take-home messages what would be your advice that you could kind of um tell people what would be the take-home message i I think we can all agree that the um the overall offshore wind market let's say is 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 a growing piece of the piece of the the pie in terms of um energy generation but there there is a lot of nuances to as to where that's going to be located. There's a lot of history in and around the North Sea. And these areas aren't necessarily going to be the areas of focus in the future. So, for example, as I've mentioned, um, floating offshore wind. Floating offshore wind will geographically happen in different, very different locations from what was traditionally installed in the North Sea, which is which has been fixed bottom. So my advice to, to any port owner, operator looking at offshore wind is to really understand your, your regional market. Um, what are the trends? Uh, is it likely to continue, whether it be fixed bottom or floating? Um, and, and what's the? How do you future proof your proposed port project to to ensure that it remains um, uh, viable uh, and needed uh, across what we know is a is an ever changing industry? So what what we know is is over the past decade the, the size of these components has has grown exponentially. And at a very rapid pace, um, as, as an example, Greenport Hull um, became operational in 2016. Uh, and the, the reason Siemens Gamesa have just reinvested another 189 million is because um, the, the components are getting ever larger. So y- you need to be conscious that whatever you build now um, is likely to be relevant for maybe 10, 15, 20 years, but they're there is likely to become a point in the future where you're going to have to either invest a little bit more to ensure it remains viable or to at least fully understand what the what the the lifespan of uh, your particular asset is it's keeping on top of the market isn't it and making sure that your operation remains competitive and fulfilling your your stakeholder needs so andy that makes total sense to me the, the other thing which I, I definitely don't want to see is is over investment in in port capacity I think no, nobody wants to see large kind of white elephant type investments, um, which, which comes back again to really understanding your position in the market. Um, what, what's, your, what's your capability and capacity and what's the, what's the kind of market um, potential within your, your particular region? Uh, that, that's really important to understand because if you end up investing in port infrastructure into a relatively limited market then nobody wants to see um, port infrastructure sitting idle um, so so really understanding what the developers are thinking about the deployment of their projects what installation strategies they're thinking about what kind of supply chain do they envisage needing locally versus what they see needing more on a regional basis understanding all of these dynamics is really important when you, when you come to take a financial investment decision Absolutely, Andy. That's really firm. Really great advice, there. I think for for any type of investment that a, 
Portal Terminal was making. Thank you ever so much for your time today. We appreciate you chatting to us. Thank you, Andy. That's absolutely fine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. A big thank you there to Andy and to ABP for their time. For more information on ABP's offshore wind strategy and its ports and services, visit www.abports.co.uk.